Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back. Last time on our episode, we talked about the city of Bath in England, and we started our top 10 list. And on that episode, we were able to get through items one through three. Today, we're going to continue the top 10, starting on number four. So let's go. So number four on our list is another church, and this is just within, you know, not too long of a walk from Bath Abbey, but this is St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church. So, you know, a few minute walk from the Baths Museum. So we we visited the Baths Museum on a Sunday morning. Um, as we mentioned, you know, we were first in line at the museum, and by the time we got out, it was just afternoon, so we were able to catch a 12.30 p.m. Sunday Mass at the uh, St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church, which turned out to be a Mass that was said in Polish. So given that that's my cultural history and I can understand, you know, a bulk of that, you know, we, we, we hit that, and I, I got most of it, and since... Usually when we attend church, it's in Latin anyways. It's Latin anyway, so uh, I was fine because were, yeah. I understand the parts of the Mass and where everything's when, when things happen and why they happen. Yeah. So, you know, just, just to talk a little bit about this particular church, though, really beautiful church in on the inside. One of the things that I did like about this church was there was probably two dozen placards throughout the interior of the church that talked about the history of the place from, you know, its inception. Uh, This particular church was consecrated in 1863, you know, similar to other places we've been to. Founded initially by Benedictine monks from Downside Abbey during the opening ceremony in 1863. There was a procession with the relics of the martyr St. Justina around the outside of the building and the wooden shrine housing the relics today stands in the southwestern chapel. We learned that in 1817, there was a bishop, Peter Augustine Baines, who wanted to evangelize the English and give Catholics confidence in their way of life by bringing the church, the Catholic church, that is, out of the back alleys and remote country estates into prominent church buildings. It was thought that a visible Catholic presence in Bath would give an important message to the establishment, which is the Catholics are back. Mm-hmm. And you're keeping in mind that you have this particular history in England that after the Reformation, I guess the way I kind of sense it is that, you know, Catholics would have been, you know, shunned, probably, you know, looked upon as kind of a, you know, second class and underclass, if, if not just probably outright, you know, kind of discouraged from practicing their faith, perhaps. Well, there was actual restrictions put yeah. on practicing their faith. And to that point, so it was in 1829, there was a Catholic Emancipation Act that had removed a number of restrictions on British Catholics. So a chunk of history there in England where Catholicism was kind of kept underground to a certain degree. 
The other thing that we learned about is now during the war, so World War II, in April of 1942, there were three attacks on the city of Bath, and among the places that were hit was the Church of St. John the Evangelist, and it was in fact hit with a direct hit on the presbytery. So we were able to see photos of that particular damage on these plaques when we visited the church. Uh, The top two stories of the building caved in, complete destruction. There was five people who were killed during the air raid. And it was stated that during the war, there was no building of any kind that was allowed. But when the authorities saw the work that was done by volunteers as part of the aftermath at this church, their response was that these people deserve to have their church and the restriction was lifted for them and they were allowed to re-roof the church even during the time of the war. So, you know, we found this church to be um, quite beautiful, enjoyed it immensely more than Bath Abbey. So an, another interesting place to see when yeah. you're in the city and it, of Bath. And it was an actual working Catholic church. Yeah. So that was um, uh, something nice for us to enjoy. Shall we move on number to five? number five? Yeah. Something for everybody here, huh? Yes. So we had enjoyed a walking tour in Poland when we were there. And our bed and breakfast hostess, who was quite a character, I liked her, um, recommended a walking tour, a free walking tour. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, okay, free is great. Let's mm-hmm. let's do this. And we knew in Poland we had a great time doing it. So it was a great idea for us to go. There was a meeting spot uh, for the free walking tours that was right in front of the museum and the pump room area. And there's a sign that's placed there that tells you exactly where to go for and stand for the walking tours, waiting for the tour guides to arrive. So we waited for a bit and people were starting to show up and we actually were having conversation with mm-hmm. some other um, travelers and mm-hmm. vacationers. Mm-hmm. Then the tour guides showed up. There was four of them, which was fantastic because it was quite a large group of people by that point. And there was a 2 p.m. tour that allowed for um, the larger group to split up into the four smaller groups. Our guide was named Phil, and we immensely enjoyed him and his tour. He was so informative and was quite attentive to all of us that were there with him, making sure that people could hear him and no stragglers. And I really liked him. Mm -hmm. He was really, really good. did a great job. We learned and saw more of Bath that we never would have seen if we had just done our own walking. We would have missed so much. Yeah, there's a bunch of things that we saw that were not on our list of things to do. Right. It took us about two hours, Mm -hmm. and it was a great two hours to spend. Uh, Highly, highly recommended for those that can walk distances. I mean, because you do have a little bit of walking. There is some uphills. There's, you know, there's things, not huge uphills. But it's, not too, it's not too strenuous. If you're just generally comfortable with, you know, walking for a bit, you, you mo- I think most people. Yes. But if, if there's any great disability, it would be very hard yeah, for you. Yeah. There was um, older people there that were with their family. And sometimes I saw they would just sit and rest while there was a stop. And 
they didn't really hear Phil, but I think they just were with their family. But it was nice during the, the certain stops that there was places for them to sit. Yeah, so so on that point too, so if somebody has not done a walking tour through a city like this before, just to know what, what to expect, you're not walking for the duration of two hours. You know, you'll go to a specific spot, then you'll stand in front of it. The tour guide tells you about it. So... And, um, and the, our tour guide was very attentive for anybody that was um, having any kind of difficulties with the walking. Yeah. And he even pointed out places, well, you can sit here. And, you know, so he was he was really good. Yeah. Some of the things I learned about Bath that I had no idea was that there was buildings there, hospital buildings or hospitality buildings that were used to house people that came for the thermal spas for the healing properties of it. And there was one in particular that is now a hospital and it's St. John the Baptist Hospital. And it was a pretty immense area that this building encompassed. So we walked past, you know, the St. John the Baptist buildings and there's several other hospitality buildings mm-hmm. in the area too that were pointed out to us. Yeah, and he pointed out pretty interesting things in the architecture there. So things that if you were just walking through the streets on your own, you would have no idea what the significance is of mm-hmm. some of the things in the buildings. So I think I would just highly recommend, you know, if you're in a place like this, and particularly in Bath, take advantage of the walking tour. I thought it was interesting when he pointed out the false windows that were in the buildings, because apparently there was a point in history where uh, you were taxed for the number of windows you had in your um, dwelling. And so people, in order to look architecturally symmetrical, would actually put in these false windows, but not be taxed on it. Yeah. So you had a symmetrical looking building, but you were keeping your tax bill down. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. Because who likes to pay taxes? (laughs) That's right. And we did stop in another museum. So that's going to take us to number six on our list, which is also part of the walking tour. And that's the Fashion Museum and Assembly Rooms. So... Also in the Bath City Center. So this is a place that houses a collection of historical dress styles from the time of Shakespeare to the present day. There's a grand ballroom inside. We got a chance to go inside, take a look at that as part of the walking tour. Yeah, which we apparently we were lucky to get in because they allow limited number of people to come in. This is another place that was made famous in the novels of Jane Austen. And it's a place where you can see what the socialite lifestyle back in the day would have been. And this is, you know, the place where, you know, people would congregate to enjoy an evening with an orchestra. You would be able to dance and rub elbows with the who's who of the day. So definitely worth a visit. Number seven on our list. Also on our walking tour. Also on the walking tour is the Royal Crescent. It's an iconic site in Bath. It was a crescent building that was shaped as a crescent. And this is where the absolutely rich and famous people would live. To this day, it is for the very rich. It's very expensive, apparently, to live in these apartments. And they are um, not to be changed in style at all if you purchase one. They have to remain the same architecture because it is a historic building. We learned about these crescents during the age of the romantic poets who idealized pastoral life. Uh, Housing was created here so each resident would, would have a rural view 
when they exited their homes. So they would come out of the, every single person that lived in this crescent building would walk outside of their home and would see this magnificent panorama of the city below with this green park-like open acreage in front of them. And we got a chance to take a look. If you, you know, turned around up at the top of this um, green area, because we weren't allowed to go past a certain point, um, you could see the city because it was very much risen up on a hill. It was gorgeous. I wish we could actually see the apartments, but that would not be an option. In the Crescent? Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't see the apartments, but I I learned after the fact that number one Royal Crescent, and I believe it's like the number one yeah, you know, apartment there, yeah. actually is a museum that people can visit. Really? Yeah. So we didn't see that, but apparently you can. So, you know, this was, you know, we, we only went to the Royal Crescent as part of the walking tour. So it kind of did the, the viewing from the outside. Mm-hmm. But I think if somebody had the time and had the planning, you could actually go into one of the units, which is a dedicated museum. Hmm. At, le- at least that's what I understand. So Wow. That's because we were on the walking tour. So yeah. that was not something that was an option, I guess, for yeah. us. Well, we, could, we did get photos of it. And, yes. Yeah. And it was really beautiful. Uh-huh. I, I really enjoyed looking at the architecture of it because it's very unique, apparently. A fun fact. There was a Miss Wellesley that objected to a proposed rule to paint the doors a certain color. And so she painted her door an unauthorized color of yellow Uh-oh. as a rebel. She was rebelling against this. There shall be no yellow doors. Yes. And it, it reminds me of certain HOAs in our own little uh, part of our we're, world. We're not allowed to have a yellow door. Maybe, no, we're may, not. <laughs> maybe we should protest and rebel yes. like Miss Wellesley and see what yep. the HOA has to say about that. Yes. So the wealthy lady, because you have to be wealthy to live there, Went to the House of Lords and she won a suit that uh, yeah, yeah so was against she, her. She had actually won, which was is quite remarkable too. And so perhaps the most expensive coat of paint on any door in, the, in England is probably on that yellow door because yeah, well, the legal costs of of going to uh, sue your House of Lords was probably very immense. She was so peeved about this in the end that she gave her house away to the Catholic Church and left. Goodbye, Bath. <laughs> yes, amazing. Take, take your yellow door. Amazing. And yeah, I, yes. I wonder, and I don't know, I didn't check this out, but I wonder if the Catholic Church still owns it today. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. So let's move on to number eight. And I'm going to talk about Jane Austen for our number eight. On part of the walking tour... We were, you know, it was pointed out, you know, places that were connected to the novels that she wrote. So um, the author Jane Austen lived in Bath during part of her life for about a six year period. My info says that she lived in about four different residences during her stay there. There is actually a Jane Austen specific walking tour if you want to see the places that are featured in her novels and film adaptations. So if that author is of particular interest to you, you might be interested in the Jane Austen walking tour. There's also a Jane Austen Center. We didn't visit it, but it's also in the city of Bath that includes a mock-up of her home manuscripts and personal articles we did take a walk on what was called the gravel walk 
which was part of the walking tour and uh, took us past a place where Jane Austen lived. And again, you know, she was the most popular late 18th, early 19th century writer came here as her father, who was a priest was ill. She particularly did not like the city, but watched a lot of people and she wrote books about them. So, um, you know, people could get a sense of what life in Bath was like during her day. And you can get that too, from reading her books watching some movies that are made of her books, and you also come to the city of Bath yourself and soak up some of this history. Let's go to number nine on our list, which is Alexandra Park. We got up there on a bus, and it's just an overlook of the city of Bath, and it is quite a great picture spot if you want a nice picture of Bath. Kind of the entire city. The whole city, and then there's certain iconic buildings that you can actually point out and see as you look down. And it was the right place if you want a a picture of Bath. It's just a park and there's residential homes around it. And it's a little cute little park. And so the purpose of us going there was just this picture spot. But I think it's worth, it's worth a picture. Yeah. So because it sets up on a hill, you know, that kind of situates it in such a way where it's probably one of the best spots where you're going to get a really nice overlook, a vista of the entire city. So we're going to go to our last recommended stop, and this is number 10, which is Great Pulteney Street. So this is a nice area where you can go for a walk. We had walked here actually a few times during our stay in the city of Bath, and I think when we were walking by here, we had noted to ourselves that it reminded us a lot of a particular bridge when we were in Florence, Italy, Mm -hmm. uh, because of the shops that were on the bridge. And it turns out that this particular Georgian-styled bridge is one of only four bridges in the world where there's shops on both sides. So kind of like the Ponte Vecchio, if you've been there in Florence, Mm -hmm. Italy. It's one of those very famous places. Even if you haven't been there, you've probably seen it in photos or on travel shows if you watch those kind of things. But Again, it's, it's, you know, within walking distance, if you're in the city center, you can do some window shopping along the shops that are there. We got drawn towards that one shop that had the maps in the window, the older maps, mm-hmm. which, which is something I like to see. Yeah. So this particular bridge crosses the River Avon in Bath and was completed by 1774 and connected the city with the land of the Pulteney family. You know, that street bears the name of that family today. So named after Frances Pulteney, who's the wife of William Johnstone, who was a wealthy Scottish lawyer and a member of parliament and uh, a nice little place you can take a walk today. So thus concludes our top 10 recommended things to do and see when you're in the city of Bath. And if you do a number of those things, geez, by the time you're done, you're probably going to be very hungry. So let's talk about food. Food. So we stopped at several places for bites to eat. The first night that we were in Bath, we stopped at a restaurant called the Ponte Vecchio. And actually, as I'm looking at our list of restaurants, probably the one common thing between all of them is they all have an Italian theme to them or Italian-style cuisine. And when you think about the city of Bath and all its Roman origins, probably particularly fitting to eat Italian type of food in Bath, England, even though you're not in Italy. What? dawned on me i was like oh okay that makes sense (laughs) connecting the dots for you there 
So the first Italian cuisine restaurant that we ate at was the Ponte Vecchio restaurant. And we got here without a reservation. And it was just kind of like a fancier kind of vibe that I got to it. You know, I think people that were dining there were kind of, they were definitely more dressed up than we were. We were in our uh, touristy clothes out of our backpacks. Out of our backpacks. And so pe- we never had anything that was of the upscale type of clothing. We had walking clothes. Yeah, but I'm going to give it to the people at the Ponte Vecchio restaurant. They still allowed us to dine. Yes. Which was not going to be the case at a particular stop in London, which we'll get to yes. in a few episodes yes. down the road. Uh, but we did eat here. And, you know, we had... Um, a beet starter that was like yeah. red beets and golden beets that was drizzled with honey and walnuts and goat cheese. And that was a great start really to the good. meal. Very tasty. And the entrees, one of us had um, a typical Italian pasta dish. And I think I had a seafood pasta dish. Both of them very well prepared. You know, service was impeccable at this place. Yeah. And it was right on the River Avon, which mm-hmm. was very beautiful. Yeah, so it was a nice setting, you know, great food, good service. So, you know, we recommend the Ponte Vecchio restaurant. Mm-hmm. Another place that we ate at, and so I think as we were walking around the city of Bath, we walked by this place a few times because it's right adjacent to where we kept getting our bus and right adjacent to the train station. And it's the Franco Manca Sourdough Pizza place. Yeah, very it, yummy. Yeah, and when very you say good. pizza, you get my attention. If you say sourdough, you get my attention. Mm-hmm. If you put those things together, I'm going to eat at your place. And we did. So, you know, we had, uh, remember I was looking at our photos the other day. Each of us had a different kind of pizza. I think mine was a wild mushroom pizza. Yours, yeah, I remember yours, yeah. Yeah, I think you had uh, another kind of vegetable yeah, pizza. Vegetable, but yeah. It's sour- very good. The, the crust was amazing. And you can watch them making it, too. Yeah, and when I think about our time in England, I think this is the only place that we had sourdough. Mm-hmm. And because we're huge sourdough fans, that really hit the spot for yeah. us. So yeah. if you like sourdough and you like pizza, Franco Manca, this is not an upscale place, but you're going to get a nice pizza. You can get some uh, libations to wash your pizza down, and it's kind of like a more of a fun place, I think. Yeah, it was very good and crowded, so it was very well liked by uh, tourists and city folks alike. Yeah. And then the last place that we're going to talk about that we would recommend is the Roman Baths Kitchen. So I think this was our final dinner when we it were It was in our Bath. final dinner. Yeah. And I think I was a little tired by then. Yeah, because we were looking for places to eat. I think we were thinking about eating at the pump we room. We walked a bit to yeah. try to find something to eat. Yeah, but the pump room wasn't going to be open for dinner until yeah. quite a bit later. Mm-hmm. And in an atypical fashion, you didn't want to wait for food. You wanted your food now. <laughs> Well, we walked a lot. Yeah. We were walking around. You know what? You know what it was is that we was it was one of those moments where we were trying to make a decision, and neither one of us were coming up with any decision. And yeah, so we happened to be like in front of the Roman Baths yeah. restaurant and just kind of made the just call. Said, okay, that's it. let's stop. Let's eat. Well, I yeah. think I called. I said I'm done. Let's you did. Go eat. <laughs> I think it was a good call because you know we got a table that was outside. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like on that outside courtyard area so yeah. you're able to watch and there was some street performers happening yeah people and, walking yeah. by so there was you know things to look at mm-hmm. and then the food that we had there so you had fish and chips mm-hmm. battered haddock and it was ginormous it was very big it was like almost too big but i think i ate it 
Yeah, you, you commented yeah. that it was great. Yeah. I had a pasta special that had these, and I know there's a name of this particular kind of pasta, but it was like those super wide noodles that was in this rich, creamy tomato sauce with mushrooms and goat cheese. And I washed that down with a cider. Cider seems to be fairly yes, popular, mm-hmm. especially when we were in Somerset. That seemed to be a drink that we found at a lot of places. So when in Bath or when in Rome, and we were kind of both felt like in Rome and in Bath. So I had the cider, which was a nice uh, beverage of choice mm-hmm. in the city. And uh, had a really nice dinner at the Roman Baths Kitchen. So, you know, nice dinner, nice ambiance. So that's a few food options for you in the city of Bath. And let's move on to lodging. So we stayed at the B&B called Forrester and Flower. It was outside of the city center. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned before, it was probably a good two miles or so to get to city center from there. Did you have difficulty finding lodging in Bath? You know what? I honestly don't remember. When I look for lodging, I start by looking at the reviews. I just want to make sure that we're not going to get a a spot where there's issues with cleanliness and issues with the beds, all that kind of stuff. And I guess we can get to a little bit of of, of some of that here, but I also don't want to pay in an arm and a leg. So I kind of do that balancing act. I suspect that if you were going to stay like in the heart of the city center, it probably, especially in this city, is more pricey, Yeah, which is probably why we ended up at this particular B&B. But I think I also wanted to have a and b type of experience versus like a chain hotel type of thing. When we have that yeah. kind of option, that's usually my preference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, one way or another, we ended up at, at this particular bed and breakfast. Yeah. So so just outside of the city, so you had to take the number two bus, which is probably your best bet. And don't forget to follow the blue dot, the blue dot, the blue dot. On, on your cell phone map. It was just right next to the B and B. It was so close. It was just a quick walk over to the bus station. The the, the bus. But you mean the bus stop? The bus stop. Yeah. 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 And we would catch it just right outside of the B&B and it would only take a few minutes to get down into the city center mm-hmm. near the rail station because mm-hmm. that's that where the main bus terminal oh. I think is too. Yeah. So, you know, I forgot to mention this also in the beginning. So because we were doing this traveling by the bus several times, if you find yourself in the city of Bath in particular, you have a couple of options on the bus. You could either pay for your journey route by route, or you can get an all-day pass. For us, it turned out to be the case that since we were going to travel you know, several times a day on a bus, the all-day pass made the most sense. So just kind of know when you're going to be going by bus, look at what's going to be the most economical for you. For some people, if you're just going to go one way on a bus, maybe all you need is the one-way ticket. But if you're going to be hop on, hop off, or go back and forth a couple of times, the all-day pass is probably going to better suit you. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember that we actually caught the bus at another location that was a little bit more of a, a walk from the B&B. Mm. And I don't remember the situation that led us to figuring out why, because I think the direction that the bus goes in, we had a moment one of those days where the bus just went right by us and didn't stop. Yes, and I, we're like, well, why did that happen? Yeah. And then we realized that we there was another location where it swung around, mm-hmm. and we hightailed it to that other location and caught the bus there, which was we had to cross the street and go down another road to get there. Yeah. 
So oh, I remember that now that you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and how we knew the second site where that bus was going to be, I'm not sure. Other than I think we got off the day before at that site. I think so. So just pay attention to, to your surroundings and where you are. And there's always some kind of solution to whatever the issue may be. You'll, you'll find a solution. The um, hostess at this B&B was extremely friendly, extremely mm-hmm. outgoing, will give you any information that you need, just would extend herself above and beyond to let you know what is in Bath and what to enjoy. She, she was very, very helpful. Yeah, as soon as we walked into the place, she handed us all kinds of information on things to see and things to do. So, you know, if you were at a hotel, you'd have... You know, maybe a concierge at this particular place. You know, we didn't need that because our hostess there just did a great job of making us feel at home and making mm-hmm. us feel like we were going to enjoy our time in her city. Yeah. So, so we had the Rose Room. I don't know how many rooms she had in this particular B and B, but we had the Rose Room. There was never an issue with uh, too much noise. Uh, there was a street right outside the window. And yeah, it's I kind of think, like a main street. Yeah, yeah and I yeah. think at night we just kind of closed up the window a little bit, and and I was fine. I slept okay as far as noise went. Now, my mm-hmm. issue was more of the bed was very uncomfortable. So I had a hard time with the bed itself. Yeah, I think compared to other places that we stayed. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. I had a hard time with that. The room was, was okay. It had everything mm-hmm. we needed. It was an older building. Had a lot of character to it. A lot of character. Yeah. So it was remodeled, so it was very functional. It worked well. Um, it met our needs. It was, it was For me, it was fine. Yeah, and so this was the second B&B we stayed at during the UK trip. So the first place that we were at, breakfast was the way that that was served, was there was a menu, and you got to choose something from the menu, this particular place, and I think this is kind of more common, there was a big spread of all kinds of things, and it was kind of like you got to help mm-hmm. yourself, and there was like just about everything you could think about for breakfast. There was, you know, the oatmeals, all kinds of bread, there was scones, there was yogurts, there was fruits, all kinds of toppings, jams, cereals, and on and on and on. So you were not going to leave this place uh, hungry. No, and our hostess was right there. And she is socializing with you during breakfast and making sure, you know, you have all your needs met, Mm -hmm. giving you information that you need. And um, she did that with every guest that came down. She was a little eccentric, but I liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought she kind of fit the B&B very well. For me, it kind of made a memorable stay in, in the city of Bath. Yeah. Shall we move on to some top tips? Let's do some top tips. Okay. So... When we were in Bath, I happened to, I think it was in the cities where I was uh, suffering from probably several days of a headache. And for me, because of some medicine issues, et cetera, I'm kind of limited on things that I can take and things I cannot take for headaches. So in the States, my medicine of choice these days has to be Tylenol or ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. I can't have acetaminophen. No, you can have acetaminophen. You can't have ibuprofen. Okay. I'm sorry that again. Wait, it's a good thing I'm with you. You not do this right. It turns out for me that I can have um, Tylenol, also known as acetaminophen, but I cannot have ibuprofen 
did I get that right, Julie? That's Cause, okay, because I always have to ask you. <laughs> I don't know. But so anyway, so I'll, I'm, so I thought, okay, I've got this headache. I'll I'll fix it easily. We'll go to a local yeah. drugstore, whatever they happen to call they those in the, in the UK. Yes, there. And we'll get some Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And so we go to we find one of these drugstores. I forget mm-hmm. what they call it, pharmacy, whatever. Mm-hmm. We're walking down the aisles and we find the place that's got the head pain medicine. medicine. Yes. And we quickly see that Tylenol brand. I've never seen. <laughs> yeah, Tylenol brand medicine didn't, didn't happen exist. to be a thing there. Yeah. And I didn't see anything labeled acetaminophen either. Mm-hmm. So I ended up basically everything else that they had, again, because of, I have certain things I can take and certain things I can't take. I didn't feel comfortable grabbing anything else because I didn't know it was going to have an adverse reaction for me. So my, which brings me to my tip is that if you have special things that you're limited to when it comes to pain medications, you may want to bring some extra of those with you from the States. I did not. For me these days, it's kind of rare to get a headache. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're traveling, it is something that can happen quite often. Yeah. And probably for me, it's like, when it does happen to me, happens to be when I'm traveling for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. bring your medicine of choice from home with you when you travel. The other tips that I would recommend is, again, because there's some literary connections in the city of Bath, both with Jane Austen and Mary Shelley. You may want to either read one of those books before you get here or watch one of those movies. And I think it'll you know situate you culturally to experience Bath that way. And as Julie, as you mentioned earlier, surely if you're going to visit Bath, you're going to see the Roman Baths. So be an early bird and get there early. And or get ca- reservations. Yeah. So that's our review of the city of Bath. So we didn't stay here a long time, right? It was, I think, two and a half, two and days, and a half days total. Yeah. We actually did most of the things we talked about in the course of a day. Yeah. The other day that we spent in Bath, we actually used for an excursion out of the city, and Mm -hmm. that's going to be the topic of our next podcast, Mm -hmm. unless something new comes up that we're going to uh, bump the schedule, but that's currently the plan. And I just kind of found Bath this interesting place that, again, as I mentioned, was a little bit of Italy in In the country of England. Yeah, and and it did... By the end of the day, it had had really grown on both of us, I think. We really enjoyed, especially the Roman bath experience. I think that was the highlight. And the walking tour was another big highlight. Yeah. So it was a neat visit. Glad we went there. I kind of felt that the amount of time we spent there was just right, you know, on on the kind of trip where you want to soak up different elements of England. So, Mm -hmm. you know. There's other museums um, that you could visit if you wanted to have a less impacted day and spread things apart, you could easily add another day on to your visit with Bath. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you wanted to do more excursions out of the city, I think that's one of the neat things about Bath is it offers you all kinds of things to see in the city of Bath, but it's also in this location where you can get buses for day trips Mm -hmm. to places like Stonehenge, among others. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about some of those other types of things next time. So. Okay, so we're going to sign off for now, Mm -hmm. and we hope to be back soon with our excursion that we went on out of Bath. Cheerio. Bye for now. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at 
theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.